Welcome to the 11th hour where we talk about everything and anything. Today we'll be delving into India's coal dilemma and we have with us here today Adi, Rehan, Pranav and myself Arjo. So let's dive right in. So guys, what do you want to talk about? I mean, right now, looking outside, I just want to talk about how India progresses as a nation, like how we get to see so many new industries, how we get to get the products we are using right now, like our computers, phones, etc. And at what cost are we progressing? I assume this cost would be the environmental damage we are doing by essentially prioritizing development, as we say, um, over uh, protection of the environment we work on. I believe it's kind of like us taking a step, but at the same time, we are um, essentially using a sledgehammer to break said step. What are your views yeah. on that, guys? So, I mean, I think, uh, again, that the use of non-renewable resources is essential to construct a nation's economy or its development to a certain level beyond which we can discontinue the usage of said resources. Uh, but again, the UN seems to differ with its view on this because uh, it believes uh, in a one-size-fits-all approach. But we'll discuss about this further on. Um, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, yeah, because obviously all developing nations are using huge amounts of resources and fuels to develop. And in the same way, they are releasing huge amounts of carbon emissions, which are also destroying the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we are kind of at a dilemma here because... There are nations such as the UK and the US who have profited out of that these dirty resources and have developed themselves and reap the benefits of this um, dirty fuel, uh, dirty fuel source. And now you're kind of asking other nations who are kind of taking the same path to not do that and stay where, where they are. So that's kind of puts power equality uh, at the forefront. So yeah, it, we kind of have to choose between our development and our development and our environment as such. Find balance we have to tread. Um, I'm not even surprised by the like Arju as as he mentioned the UN's one size fits all stop using non renewable sources immediately um approach. It's not I'm not surprised because this is how international politics works. But well, just because it's happening does not mean it's right. I'd like to just um, quote uh, Swedish, um, or rather Arjo, you were, we were talking about this a few days ago, right? Um, if you could yeah. just share your thoughts on that. So uh, again, so the Swedish um, analyst Hans Rosling uh, determined that developed nations would not be here where they are today if they were constrained to the same capacity as developing nations today are with regards to, uh, you know, limits on how much renewable or non-renewable resources they can use and other, you know, climate change rules and regulations which they are supposed to adhere to. Uh, again, this is not to say that they should be nullified or have no effect, but he also remarked that while India and China bear the brunt of uh, are made to bear the brunt of responsibility in the UN General Assembly for such things. The truth is, in fact, very different. Whereas we, we see countries like Canada, for instance, which is hailed as a renewable, as a green nation, actually has an eight times larger uh, per capita uh, gross pollution emission rate 
than India and four times that of China. So in, in case of India and China, it's just bulk population that contributes to a figure which actually obscures the fact that many Western nations even today are still emitting a lot more pollution despite what their leaders may voice in the international community or, or in the UN. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Putin said something very similar with regards to Indian and I think African nations, or but this can be applied for developing nations, that um, for us it's not um, as black and white because at the end of the day, we do not have that much um, capital to invest in something like a nuclear plant because at the end of the day, we need to remember what are the advantages of such non-renewable or dirty fuels. The, in, the initial cost to, to invest is very low and the benefits are pretty uh, decent in our eyes because you can't in expect term, India, actually. which is, yeah, in the short term, because you can't expect India, a nation that has so much poverty to go around waiting for it to have enough money to buy a nuclear reactor and then let, leave that part of the population away. But this is something countries in the West, like the United States, Russia, the United Kingdom. These can do. Uh, these countries can do it with the snap of a finger because they have a developed, strong economic base, and even they haven't given up. I believe America is one of the uh, largest countries in terms of um, use for coal, and the EU isn't too far behind. No matter how much we remark that Europe is such a green continent, the EU is also up on that list. Yeah. I mean, what, one thing that we should actually kind of do is more than coming to other nations, you should see how India can develop into a greener path because India has committed to become carbon neutral by, I believe, 2070. So how do we st uh, stick to our goals and, yeah. you know, and prosper the most we can using the resources which we have? Yeah. In fact, in with regards to what Adi said again, people often cite the example of Norway and Iceland as green countries, but people seem to forget that, again, they have very high HDI, very developed, lots of money to invest in capital. And one major thing, they have a very low population as well. Coal India has more employees than the entire population of Norway. And if we were to displace them from their jobs overnight, it would create a huge vacuum in employment. You have other... Um, serious recurring effects in the economy as well. So with regards there too, I think it raises a lot of questions for the government as to how to taper employment into so-called renewable sectors. So if we lived in an ideal world, I would, uh, this wouldn't be an issue for us because um, this 4 million, I believe is the number, um, can who work in, directly in the um, coal sector, and obviously there are many more, who will be indirectly affected because of how closely tied coal, um, I'm talking about coal, but we have even more people working in the non-renewable sector. Uh, and we have many people who work on um, sectors that are completely dependent on this. Like for example, Indian shipping will be heavily hit if we were to curtail the oil industry. Um, the steel industry, which is one of the most important resources in India, would find itself lost without uh, the coal industry. So if this were an ideal world, uh, we would have enough capital to make large-scale energy projects so that the, um, the people who are currently employed in these sectors would keep their jobs and we would be able to um, help the, the other industries that are closely tied to decarbonize. But 
it's not a ideal situation india is not a country who has um, a lot of money in its pockets and it's a country that needs to feed millions and millions of people so i think um, i am i believe that the policy makers with regards to this are in an unenviable state but most definitely there are a lot of things we can do as a nation to combat this well of course like if india has to completely transfer to a green energy resource it will have to take care of millions of people who are, are directly would rely on these no no non-renewable renewable sources for their daily income like economically several several million people are directly involved in these industries which produce non-renewable fuels also the many products rely on them but also traditionally in many households we see that coal is used as the major fuel because it has been used for for example tandoor tandoor and chulhas and in places without electricity coal is used as been a major fuel yeah i think in addition uh, there's uh, is the remaining fact that not only is uh, you know the vitality of coal and petrol to india important but also if for a period of years say we stop or we heavily curtail the production in favor of renewable sources of energy which will take at least 10 20 years to fully conceptualize then for maybe a period of 10 20 years we'd have to depend on energy for from external sources and imported from other countries which would probably create a severe recession in our country and you know we would become more monetarily and financially dependent on other nations putting us in a kind of a slippery slope of um, of fragile international politics it wouldn't be the ideal scenario for you know a country which is increasingly trying to pride itself on atmanirbhar bharat or you know self reliant india so that seems to be quite an ironic dichotomy uh, are the thoughts on this um i believe that unlike a lot of uh, nations that we hail has been have been decarbonized um now i'll obviously take coal into this because coal is one of india's largest as such dirty fuels in terms of consumption india is not in a state where it must depend on other nations for coal okay yes we do have our imports but it is proven uh, that our consumption is uh, if we have if we take the total amount of coal we have 99.1% around that figure is untapped so if we had the same amount of coal that we had oil by now the us wouldn't have invaded iraq it would have invaded india and that's one fact we keep forgetting not only we but uh, a lot of people who ask why doesn't why don't countries like india and china who have this much um, emissions why don't they decarbonize fact is india is not in a condition where it's forced to and i don't think india as a sovereign state would like to force itself into a situation where there has been no pressure it's like saying india has a, a lot of time it has the whole summer vacation to submit an assignment but india chooses it to submit it on the first day and unnecessarily put it on put itself under pressure now we as students know that's not going to happen it's going to be the other way around i think that's a great analogy um with respect to you know india's stance on that and i mean this applies for a lot of uh, countries where in fact undue pressure especially in forums like the world economic forum where through sanctions and economic power uh, you know larger and more developed nations are almost able to bulldoze their way into getting smaller nations to comply with 
what they perceive to be uh, you know regulations necessary regulations which are in fact just often times not always which are often just you know ruses for bigger countries to make more profits like so for instance uh, a country like us would you know the entire embargo on venezuelan oil for political reasons or whatsoever um again this embargo just creates you know a vacuum of oil in latin america allowing us to ship more oil and petroleum over there and further their profit so i mean these are examples of just everyday scenarios and how they can be manipulated by larger powers you know to suit a greater end so yeah exactly like in the name of climate and climate goals not climate goals yeah climate goals multinational corporations just take advantage and for economic gains i mean that's essentially not what we come together for so yeah i mean every nation has to make a justify i mean not a justifiable a conscious decision on how they act i think one thing i have heard from after hearing all you guys is i think one thing we all agree on is india needs to start working towards decarbonizing but i mean both in decarbonizing the- right i think i think we need to work for towards our own technology even if it's like yeah. let's say petroleum based it has to be indian desi 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 yeah vocal for Very local right. but i think we all agree india should decarbonize but india should independently decarbonize and we shouldn't let ourselves fall prey to other countries who have millions upon millions in their uh, reserves and can afford to decarbonize instantly but one thing we all agree on we have to but we have to do it ourselves we cannot copy from someone else yeah india does yeah. have to decarbonize then obviously you can't just immediately transfer everything to green energy because i mean like we our- recognize that we need to decarbonize that's why we have a climate goal 2070 carbon neutral and mm. it, that goal also accounts for the fact that we want to develop as a nation and not just sit back yeah, yeah but so enough. yeah Yeah. And, and i think we are on path to uh, you know decarbonize and attain carbon neutrality because with the pace with which new solar plants and renewable plants which is springing up all over prime locations in india one thing we need to keep in mind is india has a variety of geographies and variety of resources rajasthan solar we have a vast coastline for tidal energy No, uh, although this technology isn't very effective it does have a lot of potential that wind energy lot of hills so india has a lot of potential lot of a uh, lot of resources we just need to utilize it to the right extent i think in, yeah. when we're talking about climate goals one massive massive thing for india is our prime minister speech at cop 26 whether or not you regard regard it as a success is a different question but i believe the fact that he um he's actually he's one of the newest prime ministers to actually be leading the nation with his uh, self in the front and he has the fact that he made a commitment to carbon neutrality is something that shows intent because regardless of what you believe about what your political alignments are a lot of you know mine and therefore you'll be surprised that i'm saying this but the fact that he's made a commitment means that he is putting himself in the image of india decarbonizing which means he be- truly believes that 
uh, India is on its way to decarbonize. So I think now with uh, this government, we've got the ball rolling at a higher speed, and therefore decarbonizing is going to be critics, easier. And speaking of critics, right? There are many people who who say that this or uh, the process of decarbonizing will affect jobs as a whole. But one thing we need to realize is that the jobs, yes, a certain sector might close down, such as coal might diminish, but there will be new sectors which spring up. For example, we need new battery technology. So we will have new sectors to innovate in, new sectors for production, manufacturing. So that's essentially just a transfer. Uh, we just need to transfer our workforce in a different direction into a different field. And this transfer is mutually beneficial because now you can set regulations right, you can set labor code, labor code straight. So if done right, it's a win-win for all. Yeah, I think uh, one of the major aspects of it uh, definitely is that as a country gets more developed, more in the more and more industry gets automated, and you know there's a shift of people from you know the first and second sector of industries, which is basically like you know factory working and mining and these kind of things, to more third sector uh, jobs, and you know the relegation of factory and extraction of resources is more and more. Catered to uh, you know automated mechanisms supervised by engineers and things like that. So um, as India develops and we should definitely count its trajectory to that effect. Um, definitely, I think yeah it would work over a long period of time. But again, overnight changes like you know some countries urge or you know activists often urge to put um, immediate zero or a stop to all kinds of emissions. Those aren't. That's an idealistic approach. Yeah. It's the, the one thing they fail to look at is these kind of dirty resources, as they call it. Um, they they say that it's like, hey, you can just cut it off, but they fail to understand that it is actually like a drug. If you have a if you have a drug addict, you don't immediately cut off their drug supply because that will kill them. You slowly reduce it until they hit a zero, which is something in uh, that is required not only for india is required for all developing countries unless unless you want to ruin their economies and their therefore their nation stability one thing i have i've talked to many people about this and they are very critical about how will you get these jobs how will you get these jobs and they always bring up for some reason they always bring up these um, guys at the petrol stations what will you do there about their jobs why are you ruining your family this is india okay we are not going to have this automated system of um charging your electric cars in the future we don't trust each other that much also in america you have petrol pumps with just one or two employees just overseeing it and you have to fill it yourself but in india you have i believe around 20 30 people one guy who will clean your windshield one guy who will fill in one guy who will sell a product of the company so that way that yeah, will that's, continue that's, that's a difference right adi that's the difference because like in india we have an abundance of labor we have cheap labor but in the us you have labor is expensive there so there, there's different approaches which work in india there are different it's approaches cheaper to just have a person yeah. it's just cheaper this to have is... a person that's the bottom line See, i think yeah. regardless of whether the countries are you know developed or developing like for instance even saudi arabia is planning to minimize its dependence or the dependence of its economy on oil which is one of its primary exports by 2030 i believe mohammed bin salman um you know issued that 
uh, directive on the same. And so I think it's all countries developed or developing alike who have realized that, you know, you to move away, we can't do it immediately. We have to do it slowly over a long period of time. And yeah. I mean, yeah, again, you I mean, exactly. Like one thing which I differ from Adi is that it's not a drug because drug doesn't do good or drugs in the sense like, um, but medicines as such would be a more apt example. They are there temporarily. Non-reliable fuels are um, medicines, I believe. They are there temporarily. They do good in the short term, but in the long run, they won't suffice. For example, if you have a vitamin deficiency, you can take a couple of pills and in the, in the short run, you might get see a boost in your vitamin levels. But in the long run, you just need to eat proper food and exercise. And that's how you, you move ahead. So yeah, the renewables are there. I think it's agreeable that they're just there in the short run. But in the long run, we need to look elsewhere. We need to look at stuff which doesn't pollute the environment. I think one more thing we all agree about is that it's um, that decarbonizing is not like our holiday homework that we can rush it in a few hours and submit on time is something that needs to be done over time so um if you are you yeah, guys I think by, yeah by extension yeah. it was that it should be started now and you know slowly incremented higher over a period of time for mm-hmm. um, yeah. to, to attain a completely green environment we can't just ditch the dirty resources they have to use those to convert to clean resources, including all the labor and the workforce, they should be transferred yeah. from these resources to clean energy, which can be used to further develop and make a completely exactly. zero. I mean, I mean, there are countries which are in much worse places or which are much more dependent, like in Turkmenistan, where uh, oil is completely free, natural gas is also completely free. Now, this means that when this stops, there's going to be a kind of a small scale disaster in their nation with regards to how the economy is going to function and how citizens are going to avail of benefits, etc. And I mean, it signals a lot of things for the whole country. And I'm pretty sure there are more countries like that. Like there's Kuwait, which has 20% of the world's entire oil reserves in just its tiny coastline um, and things like that. So uh, exactly. when we our perspective... So, yeah, I mean, if you look at it, everybody has stuff to gain, like developed nations have already profited off it. And they, they just gain from a clean environment, while other nations who are dependent on it, like Arji mentioned, Kuwait and Turkmenistan, they need these resources to survive. So everybody has a price to pay. But I, I think with uh, proper regulations and help or uh, help from developed nations in the form of you know, maybe grants or loans, we can actually tread a path which uh, which has, is a fine balance between development and preserving our environment. This is uh, this is like we just we need to come to, to a common mind. agreement. We just need to come to a common agreement as nations to figure out what is allowed, what is acceptable for mutual development uh, while keeping our climate in mind. Basically, we're so just I'm, expecting that world politicians become actual good people and work towards the development of the world and not uh, to further the interests of their nations. Well, as critics, yeah, we can only say so much. It's in the hands of the leaders. It's in the hands of us as the people, right? Yeah. <laughs> as the people to, I mean, vote the right people into power, but yeah. So I guys, mean, yeah. That, that's... That's our that environment. That's our environment dilemma in a just. 
that's an environmental development dilemma you know just yeah i mean i uh, come into the citizen part i mean i think as aristotle said the more educated the citizenry are the better is the quality of democracy dispensed and conversely the less educated uh, you know the citizenry are the worse are the governments who are going to elect in power so i mean we can only hope it goes uphill from here as we develop as a nation but on that note i think we've talked quite a lot on this matter extensively heard both sides of the story and i think this has been very i mean informative to have this debate and discussion you know here so i'll pass on to abhi now basically guys all we are all we are asking you to do is first of all do your part in the environment battle when you guys get to vote vote in competent leaders not because of how their um, beards look and finally how can i forget guys please like share and subscribe okay we this may have started as an english project if you guys do well enough and you actually get us paid this might actually become a big thing and with that guys looking for all free support thanks signing off thank you signing off thank you guys